0: I I don't know who else is, don't be too loud, okay? And I don't need them to like replace me, Jeez. No, I'm kidding, it's a a joke, it's a joke. Anyways, um, my job is to try to get you laughing a little bit as we wrap our minds around the Bible and the truth of the scriptures. And so um, I'll, you know, I'll make a lot of jokes and um, you can either stare at me um, and look at me awkward, that will make me sweat a lot, or you can just smile even if I am awkward, you just give me one of those smiles that... Um, Anyways, my name is Daryl Temple. I have the privilege of bringing you the word. Uh, Me and my wife, Bethany, are actually the lead pastors here at Hilltop Church. Thank you. One, two fans. Two fans here. Thank you. Um, And uh, we have the pleasure uh, and privilege to um, lead such a beautiful church here in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, Before I get into it, I want to make just a little disclosure. Uh, We have had for at least, what do you say, Kenya? Two months, three months, or longer has it been? I translation about two and a half months. And hey, listen, I just I just want to say thank you guys for translating. Um, and and I, I want to apologize for the for John Cho's message. I don't know how you kept up with that. I don't know if you kept up with that. Um, not that it was a bad message. And I'm sure. And Bethany, I, I want to apologize for my wife. I realize. These guys just kind of walk all over you and make your job hard. But I'm going to try to make your job nice this morning. Um, so <laughs> that was a joke, but in all seriousness. I know, how can you wrap your, it's a joke, it's, is he serious, what is he? I'm going to try to not be too awkward as I work with our translators to translate the sermon. I'll get a little red card here if I go too fast, and you'll probably see me stop in my thoughts and be like, okay, like, bring it in, Daryl, bring it in. But it's all just for the care and concern of those who are, Um, bringing this sermon to us in Portuguese and Spanish. With that, let's get into the word of God, shall we? Everybody excited to hear God's word this morning? Say amen. All right. Well, We're starting a new um, series, as you can see. That's Jesus up there, just in case you were wondering. Um, (laughs) A series called The Controversial Christ. I I, I have had this in my heart to do for a long time. Um, There's many reasons why I've had it in my heart to do a series like this. And I don't want to get into those reasons because I feel like they might possibly or potentially shut you down or shut you off right at the get-go. So I'm going to try to ease my way into this because how many know, I mean, if you're reading your Bible, like if you're, if you're actually looking at the scriptures, especially the gospel, you know Jesus and the homies that he kind of ran with, the apostolic group that he kind of ran with. I mean, there's some controversial figures. You just don't die on a cross, upside down, if you're not saying things that actually aggravate the system. And and, and Jesus was very much a controversial figure, wasn't he? I got one person who agrees. Anytime you want to say amen, I will take it. It's deeply encouraging to me, all right? Um, But Jesus, he was a controversial figure. And it's been in my heart to just kind of get into the controversies surrounding Christ, specifically his teachings, his parables, and even some of the things he did. I mean, who walks into a church on Sunday morning and starts overturning tables? Better yet, who tells their mom and dad after searching for them three days that my family are those who do the will of God? (laughs) These are pretty hard-hitting things. You know, we live in a time when you can... Believe ultimately anything you want to believe about Jesus, sadly. Um, you could create for yourself a loving, kind of gentle, teddy bear kind of Jesus. who just kind of pinch and makes some, like the pop and fresh dough, Del Boy. I mean, you could create a militant Jesus, an intolerant Jesus. You really could. You could create uh, these kinds of Jesus in America today. Um, you can turn Jesus... You can make him and turn him into it, it, virtually anything you want. It's kind of like um, customizing Christ, if you would, right? Like like going to Burger King and being like, you know, I want the number two, but you know, if we could just like, you know, minus the pickles and you know, we or it's like the new house. Like I don't know if anybody is here ever like um, bought a place and it's like you just got the blueprints you just got the schematic right and you can add you can you can take away you know we kind of do that with Jesus you you can add and take from Jesus things you feel he lacks and add to him things you feel he needs you know the truth is if we're not letting guys scripture construct for us a biblical view and understanding of Christ then you can make Christ into anything you want to make him into. It happens all the time. And dare I say, it happens to believers. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do we have anybody here in the audience today? Please don't raise your hand because that would be awkward. Um, But do we have anybody here who has ever started something? You know, it could be... uh, Maybe that project that you were procrastinating with, you know, getting it going or starting, and you started it, you didn't finish it. Maybe that commitment to better health. How many are in that boat? Yeah, okay, a couple people who are on us. Um, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a, a you trying to be more disciplined with your finances. Anybody here like that? But you you start off well, but you kind of finish poorly. Anybody there? Anybody have ever like you, you started something well, but you just you you just didn't bring it home, Johnny. You just didn't. You just didn't, you know, um, whatever the case is, we all know what it's like to start strong, but yet lack the strength to actually finish well. For an example, I made a commitment in 2019 to be a more positive kind of gentle me. Um, I'm a bit of a complainer, not going to lie. I'm negative. Yep, I am. It's true. And um, at the start of 2019, I think I actually did this in 2018, and 2017 I'm pretty much this I think this dates all the way back to 2012 I made a commitment to kind of turn over my propensity to complain you know and be negative for more positive outlook on life right and I don't know how it's working you could ask my wife if you care it's working well okay she says it's working well but if you want an honest answer go to her after service Uh, (laughs) But my point is this. We all know what it's like, again, to start strong, don't we, with commitments to a project, to, in this case, being less of a complainer, more positive person. But but finishing well is not as easy as it always seems. For example, have you ever flown? I'm sure many of you here have. That's an awkward question, right? You're like 90% of us have been on a jet at one point in our life. Uh, As awkward as that may come across, or as strange as that may come across, I didn't fly until I was 18. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I was a bit of a sheltered boy. Um, Yeah, no, my first flight was actually to Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, and that was 18. So I I got, you know, I got like a slow introduction to what it means to fly. And, And I will say this, my first flight stunk. It was terrible. I remember being by myself and I was going out to see a pastor friend of mine who was Um, leading a church out there in Detroit. And we were flying. Everything was going smoothly. I think we were about maybe a half an hour into the trip. And and the the airplane just started descending really fast. It was almost like the engines went out and the plane just started going. And I remember sitting in my seat, panicking, sweating, and crying. But, you know, to, to kind of, you know, just think about what it's like to finish well, but yet not... uh, Are completed so poorly. Um, Have you ever been on a plane where everything is going smooth? Right, the plane—it's like you're gliding across the sky, like you know. And but then it's time to land, and 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 it's almost as if you're landing over a war zone. Is there anybody here who has ever had that that experience? I remember one time, just another story, because I have many of. I get really anxious about flying. Actually, we're supposed to go to Thailand last week. And we were going to go be with some friends and help them navigate through some stuff in their ministry. And um, luckily things changed for us. But I remember like leading up to like thinking about flying for 24 hours. I was like, no, Jesus, please. And I actually think things working out was like the rescue of the Lord for my heart. I think he was listening to my prayers like, no, I, son, I got your back. Um, but we were coming home from D.C. about three and a half years ago. Uh, me and my good friend Fabiano from a conference out there with our friends at the Justice House of Prayer, um, D.C., and I remember coming home on a Sunday afternoon, and the flight was amazing. I mean, it's not a long flight, right? But here we are. We're about ready to touch down in the Manchester airport, and we are about 10 to 15 feet from the tarmac. And, and suddenly, I mean, you, gotta, now, you picture me. I'm already anxious. I'm already a little nervous. I'm like, okay, we're going to land. This is almost over. Daryl, just calm yourself. I'm looking out the window we're about 10 to 15 feet from the tarmac and suddenly I don't know if anyone has had the privilege or the horror to experience something like this the jet suddenly just darts back up into the sky and and we're not talking about just this gradual ascent we're talking about this kind of NASA space shuttle we're just like whoa (laughs) And Fabian, you know the one thing that annoys me about experiences like this is the pilot comes over the intercom. It's like, "Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just experiencing a little bit." So calm, so peaceful, but yet you're so terrified. You're sweating. You're, you're, your heart is somewhere in your stomach. And this guy comes, "Ladies and gentlemen, we just, <laughs> you know, i just." You I was a pilot. Like, oh, guys, we almost died. <laughs> but I, but I, but I worked it out. ladies and gentlemen but anyways had this experience Fabiano was playing it all cool he's definitely flown a lot me my I'm sweating I'm a nervous wreck we come to find out that Joe Biden was landing on Air Force One I guess I don't know how it worked but he was more important than us and somehow that our pilot got the email late and he, he just darted off to make room for Air Force One but it's It's a similar thing to like that. Pilots, God bless them. I would not want their job. You know, Paul runs into a similar people, I would say, who have a bit of a problem in the book of Galatians. You can turn there, Galatians chapter 1. These are people who had started off well in their faith. They had started off well with their beliefs of Christ, and they were solid in those things. But they were quickly turning away and were in danger of of finishing poorly. So if you're there in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, I'm sure it will be on the overhead if you didn't bring your Bible. Here's Paul the Apostle. He says this, I'm astonished that you are so quickly desert, desert, deserting, sorry, I want to say dessert. I got lunch on my mind, sorry. Uh, him who called you in the grace of Christ and you are turning to a different gospel. So, so this would indicate that at one point, These people here were what? Well, they were adhering and following the true gospel. And Paul now is concerned. They are abandoning the gospel, turning to a different one. And this is the point of Paul's concern. He urges them uh, that any other gospel than the one that they had been given by Paul doesn't exist. Thus, the gospel they're now believing is false, And the people distorting the true gospel of which Paul had given them were false, also false teacher. Essentially, the people, again, they're abandoning the message of grace for the law. Namely, justification, excuse me, through works of the flesh. Paul argues that it's by faith, right? That's Paul's big throw into uh, the New Testament that justif- we're justified by faith and faith alone and not works by the law or works of the law. Turn to Galatians chapter 2 verse 16. I see that red cue card. Thank you, Kenya. It's number one. <sighs> Whose idea was it to do translations? <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. I think it was mine. <laughs> okay. Galatians chapter 2 Verse 16. Here's Paul the Apostle, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. He sounds like me, repeating himself a lot. Um, Thank you, Paul. What an example you are. Because by works of the law, no one will be Justified. Paul goes as far as calling these people foolish for their kind of digression of faith. If you want to look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, just a couple of verses for us this morning. Paul says this, are you so foolish? I want to say that a, a lot when I'm behind this mic you can't do a lot of things that you were able to do in the New Testament today, right? But Paul says, are you so foolish? Have you begun by the Spirit? Again, indicating that at one point, these people were solid. Their commitment, their theology was solid. But Paul goes on, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So they are abandoning the true gospel for a false one. They are turning from uh, the gospel. And essentially, for what, what does this mean for us today? What, what, you know, I, I want to just lay this out before us, okay? When, much like in Galatia, where, where these people were abandoning the, the gospel that Paul had brought to them. And we need to understand that they're not just abandoning a manuscript, they're not just abandoning a, abandoning a book, excuse me. They, they are abandoning Jesus Christ himself. And wherever we choose today in 2019 to do similar to what is happening here in the book of Galatians, we are doing the same thing. We are not just abandoning a book. We're not just abandoning a manuscript. We are abandoning Jesus Christ when we adhere to something that is not true, not a true version of the gospel. Because the gospel is a person, It's a person. We need to get that into our hearts and our heads today. The gospel is Jesus Christ. It's not a manuscript. Right? That's what Paul says. We didn't touch upon the verse, but if you go back to one and you look after six, he tells them that they're turning from him, Christ, who called them. They are turning to a false idea of Christ. And, 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 and somehow are now fall prey to a, a, a false idea of Christ, different from the gospel. Turning away from the gospel has always and will always mean turning away from the person of Jesus Christ. So false teachers, they're peddling their false gospel of a Christ who essentially does not exist. The people are buying into it. Paul makes it clear in verses eight and nine that if anybody comes to them preaching another gospel or a different gospel, um, even if he himself comes to them, or an angel, one of God's heavenly hosts comes to them preaching a gospel that is contrary to the gospel of which Paul brought them at first, that person is to be a curse. Those are some heavy apostolic gangster. That's that's like you like that you're going out on a limb right there. Like you're accursed if you're bringing a gospel contrary to the gospel that Paul had brought them. So stern language. This this rebuke is meant to be felt by us today. Really it is. It's to make a clear point that we are to adhere to the scriptures and, and the severity of doing anything different than that should be felt. In other words, this is serious business. Serious business. It's a serious matter to add, to take away to scripture, to ignore it completely. Let's just touch upon that. To actually ignore it and never enter, uh, never enter into the enjoyment of looking at this book and the man that it's written about and getting it into your heart. That's just as bad as adding or uh, or taking away from it in general. We need to get our nose the scriptures. Get our noses into the scriptures. I think I just hit my, <laughs> my note. So Paul makes it clear in verses 8 and 9 that anybody coming to them preaching another gospel, contrary to the one in which Paul brought to them at first, that person is to be accursed. It's a serious matter. It's a serious matter. Paul does say in verses 11 and 12 of, of chapter um, 1, I believe, that the gospel he preached or brought to them did not come from man. It did not come from man. The gospel Paul received, Paul said, came from Christ himself, thus underscoring the reason we don't deviate or try to change it, add it, or take away from it. It it came to Paul from Christ. If it came from man, then there would be no reason for us, you know, what, what would be the big deal? It didn't. It came from Jesus, right? So it becomes a very big deal. De- deconstructing the gospel is dangerous business with serious implications. And this is very applicable, excuse me, for us today. My son, he has a favorite meal. I don't know if anybody knows uh, the meal called, um, oh, shepherd's pie. Thanks, babe. Shepherd's pie. Anybody anybody here familiar? Wow, you know, I was surprised. I was a little nervous talking about shepherd's pie. I'm like, I don't know if people, do people eat shepherd's pie. It was a meal that I grew up with as a kid. I loved it. Um, but essentially, it's, 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 it's hamburger right on the bottom. And then in the middle, we have corn, nice base of corn. And then on the top, we have mashed potatoes, okay? I love it. I, I like to add to mine uh, ketchup. I know that's a little disgusting. I like to just lather that puppy up with ketchup. Abraham, not so much. He just takes it, you know. You know that potato, that corn, maybe a little salt, Um, but we, we, you know, it's like his secret favorite food, and um, so you know, it's an easy plate to make, so it's a go-to when Bethany's not home. Like I'm like, oh, that's I can do shepherd's pie. Like, yeah, it's easy, it's a layup, right? So I'm always making it, and he like, Dad, you're like, you make such good shepherd's pie. I'm like, I know, son, and so it's a real, it's a, it's a, it's. It's a point where we connect as father and son. And, um, but, you know, I I noticed an interesting thing. I think it was last week when I made the dish. Um, I don't know why I didn't notice this sooner, but Abram, he doesn't like mashed potatoes. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, what's up with that? I mean, your your second favorite meal of all time is shepherd's pie. And you don't like, what's wrong with you, kid? And so I started to notice like this, like big mound of mashed potato to the side of his plate, kind of spilling over to the table. And, and where I really noticed is that what was on the table was spilling over to the floor where the dog was like, you um, just like free meal. You know, this is really good, mashed potatoes. Um, but, you know, I, I, I started thinking that, you know, this is kind of like what we do with Christ, right? Um, like Abram, who doesn't like the potatoes, he kind of separates them. Uh, from the corn and the beef, and he just enjoys that. Like, he just consumes that, right? And and I I, I got to thinking about this this last week, and I said, you know, this is kind of what we do with Jesus, right? Rather intentionally or unintentionally, we, we like to kind of like either ignore things about Christ that we don't like or scripture that we don't like, or we kind of like just like, like to add a little bit, like me with the ketchup. I'm like, you know, shepherd's pie is great, but a little ketchup on it really brings it home, you know. Or we like to take away from them, you know, just like, I don't know about that, Jesus. That's a little controversial is a separate that mash and put it over there. Maybe, maybe it's the things that comfort us we enjoy to consume. Maybe it's the things that give us security. Or maybe it's the things of the blessing, you know, the blessings that we get and gain from following Christ. Or maybe it's the other side of the pendulum. Maybe it's the fighter Jesus, the Jesus who said mean and bad things to Pharisees, like, you sons of Satan. <laughs> I'm glad that went over well. Whatever the case is, guys, the Bible teaches us that it's all of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, babe. I don't know if that's enough. You might want to go back and get a towel. <laughs> Although I felt comforted last Sunday. I mean, you probably couldn't see it as bad as me because I was on the front row, but John Cho was sweating up a storm up here. But, man, he, that, I mean, that black hair just, it just like hit it so well. I'm like, I need to dye my hair black. But, anyways, whatever the case, the Bible teaches that it's all of Jesus are none of Jesus. There is no middle ground, right? There is no other version of Christ. There's not, I'll take this part while ignoring this part. It's all of Jesus are none of Jesus. The only version of Christ that we get to follow, preach, and pray is the Jesus that resides up in this scripture. And here's the crux of the sermon. Jesus does not adjust to our preferences. He is not up there, much like me today, sweating in front of you, concerned about what you think about him. We don't have the luxury of creating a a, a Jesus of whom we want. We do the adjusting, friend. We the adjusting to the Jesus we got from the Father. Now I'm going to try real hard to give an example in Scripture. I think this plays out and um, we're going to read a lot of Scripture here so if you're charismatic, I apologize. <laughs> uh, um, so if you, uh, that's all. I, I want to add a little bit more clarity to that joke, but a couple of you got it, and that's where we'll leave it. Uh, Luke chapter 4, four through 30, if you would turn there, are, it will be on the overhead. For those who are sleeping, I promise to talk louder so that you wake up. <laughs> it says this in verse four, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught there in synagogues, Being glorified by all. Wow, that's pretty nice. That's pretty cool. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was a custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. I love that. I would just like to do that today. I'd just like to read a verse, shut the Bible, go back and sit. No. Um, goes back and sit down. And, and this is what those who were at the synagogue hearing Jesus at this time It says, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and began to say to them, Today, he began to say to them, excuse me, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the glorious words that were coming from Jesus' mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Here comes the insult. Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, did you, I'm sorry, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three three years and six months and a great famine came over the land and Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Satan to a woman who was a widow and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them were cleansed but only Naaman from Syria. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Is anybody, you, I know John Cho's following, he's tracking. <laughs> anybody following what's going on here? We've gone from hailing Jesus, everybody's marveling, oh, quoting Isaiah, oh, we've heard about what you did over there in Capernaum, Jesus. <laughs> Isn't this the son of Joseph. The hometown hero walks into the synagogue, reads a little scripture. At this point in his ministry, he's a big deal. He's trending on Twitter or whatever they had back then. <laughs> Tablets of stone, like, you know. Like, I did this today. <laughs> All right, that joke went bad. Um, we'll, we'll abort. Um, but Jesus' ministry is trending. And everybody likes Jesus up until the point where Jesus says, Hey, listen, guys, everything you heard that I did over in Capernaum, I'm not going to do here. And this insults them greatly. And, And it's almost like Jesus starts this... Insult because somebody called him the son of Joseph. He is not the son of Joseph. He is the son of God. And he spent some time declaring that before that accusation was brought about. And I imagine it was innocent. I mean, these guys saw Jesus grow up. He's in his hometown. Oh, isn't that Joseph's son? Jesus like, what? Did you not... Just hear me read about me in Isaiah. I am not Joseph's son. I am the son of God. And you know what? You know what? I'm not going to do anything here. That is, that is crazy. That is, I mean crazy in a very insulting way. You're Jesus' best friend, or you're, you're the, the mother of Jesus' mo- uh, mother's best friend. Or anyways, you've got some kind of connection to Christ. And let's say you're a widow, you're in need. Well, Let's say you have leprosy, and you're sitting there today. And I don't know, they probably didn't let leopards into the church at that time, but you know, if they did, you're hearing these words, you're sitting there, really? You're going to go cleanse the lepers over in Capernaum, but you're not going to do anything here. And Jesus says, Hey, listen. Elijah went to one widow. There were many. There were many at the time when there was famine. There were many widows in need. Elijah, God sent Elijah to one. Elisha, hey, better yet, how more insulting. Elisha, he went to Israel. There were tons of lepers, and he didn't heal one, none were healed. Now the conversation turns. Now they're filled with wrath. They're going to go, they're, they're plotting to throw Jesus off a hill. When just moments earlier, they were, hit, they were marveled, they were astonished, they were wide-eyed and mystified. <laughs> Whatever that is, I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's great. And then the next breath, we're going to take this man out. We're going to take his life. Everything's to be, seems to be, excuse me, going swell. And then somebody calls Jesus a name, the son of Joseph. Have you ever seen Avengers, the age of Ultron? I'll lighten the message up here a little bit. Nobody's ever seen that movie. Surely you're lying or you live in a rock. You see how many sales that movie grossed? I mean, give me a break. Uh, But remember that scene where Hulkbuster is gonna get into it with Hulk because Scarlet Witch is up in his head and they're gonna go toe to toe. Anybody, you're all looking at me like I'm foreign. Anybody seen that part? Okay, great. And there's that one moment where Tony Stark says, Banner, she's in your head. And Hulk is like, because he hates being called Bruce Banner. And so we go, it's like like the same, okay, that joke didn't go over well. (laughs) we have some things to get to at the end of our service so I'm going to wrap this message up here and we're going to continue the conversation next Sunday looking at the controversial Christ but um you know, I got a question for us today. What side of the fence will we find ourselves on when when Jesus isn't for us, or doesn't do for us, or doesn't say what we like, or do what we like? What what side of the fence will we find ourselves on when Jesus does not a, adjust to our um, to our 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 desires to our um, to the things that we want him to do or say and be for us. What will we do? Will we praise him in one moment and then turn on him in the next because he says something cutting? I mean, you, you don't have to have Jesus live here in the flesh to get something that can sear your heart in this word. This word is like a sword. This word is like a sword and it cuts. It can cut just as much as if Jesus was behind this pulpit today speaking to us right now. What kind of people will we be? The kind who applaud Jesus in one moment and then want to kill him in the next. I don't want to be offended because of Christ. You know, I don't want to be offended at his message. I want to embrace all of Christ. It's my conviction that if I don't, I'm not really embracing any of Christ. If it's not all of Christ. You bow your heads. Father, I thank you for this people. I thank you for this journey you're going to set us on. God, make the word clear. Make Jesus clear and visible to our eyes again. That we might behold his beauty. That that in the severity of Jesus' teachings, and even in the comfort that Jesus' teachings bring, Lord, that we would learn how to embrace the full package of who Christ is. Not doing away with some because it makes us uncomfortable while um, while only taking on what we like about Jesus. Lord, we we ask, Lord, that we would embrace Christ in, in his um, entirety. Reveal Jesus to us again in the scriptures we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite my wife.